What is up, everybody? Welcome into the Bat Flip, where we discuss everything baseballs. I'm Landon Raby. With me, Dylan Taylor. Tennessee is headed back to Omaha, baby. And you can't tell us nothing. Did we think we'd be here? Uh, I, I kind of almost um, – I was feeling re- real creative last night. I wanted to tweet um, the uh, Paul Rudd thing where he's like, who would have thought? No, look I mean, at us. Yeah, look at us. Um, <clears throat> I mean, we're back. And just when you think this team is is dead in the water, they find some life. It happened against Vanderbilt. It happened against Clemson. You're down game one against Southern Miss. You're down four to nothing in game two. And here comes Tennessee to score 13 answer, unanswered points. I mean, it was just – a really good feeling, and I think it just helps so much that Tennessee was able to get over that super regional hump that was created by last year's team. And, like, no disrespect to last year's team, that team was phenomenal, but this team has had a lot of just unrealistic expectations because of what last year's team did. Um, and a team that had lost 10 players, 10 really good players, um, we have one that's already made it to the the major league. So um, that that team was gross, and you know it just it's come together the second half of the season. So credit to Tony Vitello, credit the staff, credit the players. They figured it out along the way, and this team has you know a lot of fight in them. And now they're sitting here with uh, you know one of the the eight teams left to to win the whole dang thing. Yeah, I mean the team last year. I mean. Incredible season. We've talked about the benefits of it all year. We've talked about the the drawbacks of it. I mean, the the main the main drawback from last year is no matter how good the season was, like you ultimately you fell short of the of the ultimate goal. Like it was mm-hmm. great season, dominant season, turned heads all across the country. Is ultimately going to be very positive for the program moving forward. Already is very positive. I mean, it's already. When you look at who we got through the transfer portal, how recruiting's going, just how the team and the program's viewed around the country now. But ultimately, they fell short. This squad, like you just opened with, can't tell them nothing. It's, yep. I made it, I, we'll get into it like at different points throughout the year. Like, did we think we would be here? Yes, at some points. No, at some points. But I mean, We've talked all year. You got to be playing your best baseball this time of year, and I don't. Wake Forest is about the only other team that I think can definitively say they're they're playing the best baseball right now. Besides that, you you just want a shot to end your season in Omaha, and you've you've got it now. Yeah, and I think right now you're playing with house money. I mean, we were talking about it. Look at us. Like this team got swept by Missouri. This team didn't score a single run in Hoover. Um, and here we are with a chance to, to win it. And, you know, kind of like you were talking about, as good of a chance as pretty much everybody. Um, with Tennessee's pitching, the way that they're they're pitching and dominating right now, it's just hard to – it'd be hard for me to bet against Tennessee. Now, Paul Skeens, you know, I know the, the funny thing going on is like, congrats, you're going to Omaha. Your reward is Paul Skeens and LSU. Yeah. Um, unfortunate, but – you're going to have to beat those teams and win the whole thing anyway. Right. So, um, now Tennessee didn't – and 
it they kind of got shafted on, on the bracket that they're in. But you look at this entire NCAA tournament, Tennessee's been shafted and, you know, found a way. And that's all you're asking for. It, it don't have to be pretty this, this you know, deep into the season. You just got to find a way. Um, so I, I'm, I'm excited for it. You know, again, it's kind of playing with house money. Like, I mean, great season. You know, Chase Dolander was talking to us before the season, him and Christian Moore, and they were talking about Coach Q and how when he came back to the team, he's like, do y'all think y'all had a good season last year? And everybody was like, yeah, yeah, I think so. He's like, no. He's like, y'all didn't make it to Omaha. That's the new standard for Tennessee baseball is Omaha. Yep. And, and it hasn't been that way for a long time. And, um, you know, going to Omaha twice in three years, I think there's only two other teams that have done that. I think Texas, Stanford are the other two teams. Stanford's done it three times in a row. But, you know, in that stretch, only two other teams have been able to do that. And um, Tennessee's doing it, you know, with the best conference in baseball. And when you think about it, like, it it sucks calling last season a failure, but I mean, yet he's absolutely right. Like, this is your chance to prove this is your chance to prove you're the best team in the country. But also, it's it's the best eight teams still standing. Obviously, that team last year was within the the best eight teams in the country, but they weren't when it mattered. Mm-hmm. And at, at this at this point with this team this year, you, you've seen that they weren't when it mattered, but. When it really came down to it, and you had to have it. They were, and that that makes them that makes them the better team. I mean, it, are they as talented? No. Are they have they had the same amount of camaraderie throughout the year? I'd say no, probably. But I mean, it's it doesn't matter now. It's it's literally everything everything up to this point. You don't want to call it a new season, especially because you know you bring up the getting shafted portion of it. It felt it feels like the game did end about two hours ago. I'm still recovering from mm-hmm. from the late night. I mean. It, it, but it seems like with this squad, like, you know, last year it, when it was going good, it was going good, and then you, you kind of got hit in the mouth. This squad, it, it's kind of like they respond when they get hit in the mouth the second half of the season. Maybe maybe their identity is when things don't go their way, that's when they turn it on, and that's that's a good quality to have in postseason baseball, and it's it's reared its head many times now. So it, if it wants to keep showing up, I, I'll be a fan of it. Yeah, and I mean, we got to remember last year's team, like, that took a long time for it to, like, get to that point. Now, the year before that, they went to Omaha, but the couple years before that, like, the the making of that nucleus of that team, it took a lot. Like, I mean, COVID, you know, the year before that, they, they were in a regional final, so it, it took a while to build up to that point. Um, and that team that went to Omaha didn't dominate everybody. I mean, they, they had some struggles. I mean, they got beat by Vanderbilt and Arkansas. So, you know, the, it wasn't just like they were mowing down every opponent that was put in front of them. Now, last year's team was kind of a different story in, until, like you said, until it mattered. Um, but it, it took a long time to get to that point. And so for this team to, to reset, and, it, it, I mean, it's kind of been like a Rubik's Cube. It's like, I mean, you, you found Hunter Ensley in center field. You, you keep going with Christian Scott. You know, you, you finally get to implement Maui into the lineup. He struggles a little bit. You, you kind of, you know, mess with that lineup to see where he's good at. 
Jared Dickey was a catcher for a little bit. You know, that that didn't work. You wanted him in the outfield because he gives you better numbers. Um, he's a better hitter when he's not, not playing catcher. Cal Starr started the season. Then they went to Charlie Taylor. Then Jared Dickey. And then back to Cal Stark. Um, you know, you've had guys that struggled. Griffin Merritt was, was a guy that was a mainstay, struggled, benched, comes in as a pinch hitter, hits some walk-offs, and now he's back in the lineup. And, you know, he had four hits on – God, my days are running together because last night um, – on Saturday. So, um, yeah, they – I mean, in the pitching staff. I mean, Andrew Lindsay, you know, Chase Burns is struggling. So, Andrew Lindsay comes in and – you know, been your Friday night guy and done a phenomenal job. Uh, and now Chase Burns went from just, you know, really struggling in the SEC to now one of the best closers in college baseball. So, I mean, it's just a phenomenal job what this staff has done with this team. And, and they've just kind of figured it out as they win. And now, you know, like you said, they're playing the best baseball that they have all year. And all those reasons you just mentioned are – are reasons that I, I still really don't know what to make of this team. And I at this point, I, I don't think it's a bad thing. You know, we, we kept saying all year, like, you know, they'll figure it out and this will be the identity. This this will be the identity. I still don't think we really have an identity. And that's it's, mm-hmm. it's odd to see a team play this well when you can't really point to – I think the single thing you can point to now is what I mentioned earlier. When they face a little adversity, it's like they, it's like they turn it on then. And it's not like they have to fall behind to do it. It's just like they, you know, maybe a, a crappy first inning. They turn it on the second. Like it's – it ultimately, that, that team two years ago, I think you could say you didn't expect to make it to – I mean, I know the players did. Like they're always – in coaches, they're always going to say that that's the expectation. But ultimately, that team you, you didn't think was going to make it until they did in the very end. Last mm-hmm. year's team, you went the entire year – knowing they were going to make it till they didn't in the very end. Yeah. This team, it's looked like both – I mean, it looked like they could win it all at certain points. It's looked like they may not even make the postseason at certain points. So, mm-hmm. it's – I don't know what to make of them. I know when the pitching's on, it's up there with the best in the country. When the lineup's going, it's up there with the best in the country. When their star players are playing like star players, they're as good as anybody in the country, and they have the depth at every position. So it it's it sounds like a bad thing to say I don't really know what to make of this team, but I don't think opponents really know what to make of this team. And I, I think I think not having that one thing that you can point to and be like, oh well that's our thing. Like you can't really shut a team down that doesn't have a specific thing. So that's mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't know. I mean with just all the emotion that was built up in last season, I, I'd still say that's probably my favorite team I've ever watched. But this team is just I, – I don't know. its There's something about them that just every time they take the field, you wonder what's going to happen. And here lately, it's been a lot of good. So, I, I don't know what to make of them, except right now they're they are playing very good baseball. And it's, it's the time of the year you've got to, and they're doing it. So, whatever yeah. they're doing, keep it going. It's like peak Game of Thrones. Like, you never know what you're going to get in that episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like that comparison. Yeah. it. Uh, you definitely don't know. Here's the one thing about this weekend. Tennessee had more depth pitching-wise than Southern Miss did, and that, that was the difference in the – now, Tennessee got more timely hits when it mattered, um, absolutely, but the, the difference, the glaring difference in these two teams was pitching. Um you know, Andrew Lindsay gets out off to a tough start. Um, 
But then from there, everybody was pretty much flawless. Camden Sewell came in, pitched well. Seth Halverson pitched well. Tennessee just couldn't get the bats together. Um, in that game one, that was, you know, delayed for, you know, a really long time. And then in, in game two, Chase Dolander goes eight strong. Chase Burns shuts it, shuts it down. Um, and then last night you go Drew Beam. I mean, all that all that man does is win ball games when when Tennessee desperately needs it. And uh, then you go Aaron Combs gets the one out exactly what you needed, and uh, Chase Burns shuts it down. So it just looked like the perfect recipe. And I don't know. I mean, maybe these players just make these coaches look phenomenal all the time. But I mean, that last night, everybody thought Burns was coming out first, and they go Aaron Combs just get a strikeout of Etzel and then bring in Burns to face Dickerson. I mean, that was – it turned out to be the the smartest move you could possibly make. Yeah, to, to disrespect Dickerson. I mean, for, for a, a little tangent here, at the first two games really, first game and a half, I was like, this Dickerson kid, like he, he's a ball player. I, lo- mm-hmm. I loved watching him. Like he was killing us. And I was still like, I like watching him play. Like he's just a grinder. Then – then the talking started when you're, you're striking out and you're walking back. Like, dude, don't – Yeah. any of the talking on any of the hits before would have been perfectly fine. But when you do it, when you strike out, like, it's just a tough look. But, I mean, yeah, it's I, – I wondered how Drew Beam would perform. Well, I won't say I wondered how Drew Beam would – I wondered what the mindset would be because, you know, you didn't really know when you were going to play yesterday. I, we, we still haven't figured out why – setting a start time is so difficult and then subsequently why checking the weather is so difficult for the start time but we could go on forever about that but it was one of those positions where you want a veteran pitcher and uh, you want a guy that's just like I, I don't care what time the game is like I'm going to go out and shove and it just so happens it comes from a, a sophomore now mm-hmm. it's a guy that has just as much playing time and experience as just about anybody on this team and I think I said I said it about somebody last week or two weeks ago. Drew Beam didn't look like he broke a sweat. Like it looked, it looked literally too easy to him. I mean, he he got in a couple pinches in a couple innings, but then it was just, you know, you see some guys tighten up when they get in those spots, and it's like he just was like, "Yeah, I'll let you get a couple runners on just to mm-hmm. make it a little, just to get his heart rate up a little bit." And it, yeah. he still just. It, if he would have shrugged every time he walked off the mound, it, it would have fit just because he, he looked like he had them figured out and he knew it. Yeah, and it, it's funny. the Like a story I'll never forget, I was talking to Drew Beam's dad right when they started SEC play last year and um, got to meet him. And he was telling me that, you know, before the season, you know, Frank Anderson just kind of observes, observes them observes observes oh that was tough yeah i mean still still recovering yeah Yeah. um how to get in the pool my everything's just shout out to caleb by the way i mean that good good idea right there you executed it good but i mean the man fully oh dude fully laid out in khaki pants too i I mean mean, there's nothing like it i i would have never i wouldn't have thought that he wouldn't have done anything else besides Mm -hmm. that but just seeing it in live action too is yeah is special yeah, so he Frank Anderson used to just observe the the pitchers. Didn't really say much. And um, one day Drew was like, you know, his dad was like, you know, what has he told you? He's like, well, he did tell me that uh, he came up to me. He's like, son, your curveball sucks. And it's hilarious because last night that curveball was disgusting. Oh, man. 
nasty. It was, it was getting ripped down. Like it, it was floating, yeah. and then just like gravity absolutely just reached up and grabbed it. It was 100%. it was nasty, and he, and he knew when to use it too. Mm-hmm. He knew where to use it. He, yeah. I don't I don't know that he hung one the entire night. Yep. Yeah, he looked he looked good. Um, and he's always going to be a. You know, with that velocity, like I mean, he's going to get some strikeouts. Don't get me wrong, but he's he's always been a pop fly rollover kind of guy. Now he's going to give up some hits every now and then, but every time they, you thought, man, here it comes, or he's going to get in a jam, he gets out of it. Um, and that's that's QB one. That's what he is. And in a way, I like I like his style even more because, especially in a closeout game like that, because strikeouts create desperation. Like, if you're sending guys up and they're just K, 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 like at a certain point, you're like, somebody's got to do something here. With those guys that just, you know, get soft contact, the occasional strikeout, maybe they walk a guy, but then they get a double play right after that, that has a way of it's the sixth inning and the other team's like, oh, crap, it's the sixth inning. Like, we have to do something. Strikeouts, like, you know, like, you're being beaten and you've got to do something about it. The guys like that just have a way of lulling you to sleep in the best way possible. Like it just, it, it looked like at certain points. I mean, you, you saw Southern Miss didn't really. It didn't look like they had much urgency to really do anything until the late innings of the game, and by then it was it was too late. Yeah, uh, I want to ask you a question: Who is a bigger pair, Chase Burns or Zane Denton? Um, Zane Denton. Zane Denton. I, I mean. <laughs> Just, I mean, they both did it with natural ability, but Burns, I mean, Bur- I think their coach even said it like they hadn't, they just hadn't seen an animal like Chase Burns. Like he, yeah. he knew he had a fastball, he knew he could throw it by him, and then I, he mixed in the occasional slider. Really, he really didn't have to. He, he could have thrown that fastball the entire time, and I think it'd been the same result. But yeah. Zane didn't to do it once is one thing, but I don't know how he got that ball out yesterday. I mean, nothing nothing was carrying at any And point. it looked like a ball fly. I mean, off the bat, you're like, oh, that's yeah, another one. Yeah, the air was just soup, it looked like. Nothing was carrying. And I, I thought he got way under it, and it just kept carrying. I, To me, yeah, I mean, we've seen it from both of them, but to do it twice and just make it look easy like that – Denton is, and he's slowly becoming a guy that I know we're towards the end of the year. If you can convince him to come back, he's he's slowly becoming a guy that's like doesn't really matter where he hits in the lineup either, which makes him even more scary. So yeah, hey uh, nil, um, take care of Zane Denton. That's what it's there for now. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that's just. I mean, he's not the only one that's put the team on his back, but it just feels that way with. I mean, you can't have two home runs in two weekends that come at the most opportune times. I'll I'll put it this way. I don't know that you see Chase Burns come out that fired up and that confident and just blowing it by people if Zane Denton doesn't hit that home run right there. That yeah, that gave you that. An, that gave you enough padding to where, you know, Burns isn't coming in with a one run lead and it's like, yeah, you know, I need to try to throw it hard, but also like I gotta be careful here. Like that gave him free reign to come in and say Here's my best stuff. Try to touch it. And if it's a one-run game, I don't know that he really approaches it that same way. I don't know if the coaches want it 
to approach it that same way. But with a four-run lead, you kind of give him the reins and say, just do what you do best, and and he did it. Yeah. I mean, I, I know, like, every pitcher wants to be a starter, I feel like. But, man, that haven't – like, be a, being able to have that kind of fire and passion coming in as a closer or a reliever, I mean, that's unmatched. I mean, that's something that we didn't really see until this season of, of Chase Burns. And I wanted to ask you, too, do, do you – because, it? I mean, he's going to come back. Do you want him in the rotation next year, or do you say keep him? Because I'm still a proponent of he's got that kind of stuff and he can go that long. He, he A move back to the rotation is what I want to see from him. But at the same time, like, if he can do that consistently, like – Yeah. You almost yeah. wonder if you can find another Halverson, someone, somebody, another Dolander, another Lindsay, somebody to transfer in to fill that spot and just say, hey, do what you do, Burns. Yeah, I, I'm kind of indifferent about it. I'm just – whatever he wants to do, I, I think he's going to be phenomenal at. So, you know, if he thinks he can be a starter in the MLB, let that. But but here's the thing. If you're the starter in college, you can always go back to the bullpen. Right. But I think if you're in the bullpen long enough, maybe starting kind of fades for you a little bit. Yeah. And I, I still – I'll say I still think his stuff is better suited – out of the bullpen because he's got the fastball and the wipeout slider. He mixes in that changeup, but to, to really dominate and to really become a high-level prospect as a starter, you know, they, they kind of always look for that third pitch. And mm-hmm. it's do you have one or can you develop one? You know, if he can get that changeup consistently nasty, like then he, he's got the he's got starter stuff now. I mean, we've seen that obviously last year, but if he can get that, like you're looking at you're looking at number one pick type potential then out yeah. of the starter's role. 100%. Um, another guy we need to mention, Griffin Merritt. All that man does is hit singles. Yeah. Um, he was four for five on Saturday in game two. Um, had an RBI, had another RBI uh, last night, another single. Um, he's just been a – he's just been Mr. Consistent, which is something he really wasn't all year long. And then when you – finally get him back in the lineup it just seems like he's he's gonna give you he's gonna get at least one hit um and he he has the power i mean he's tennessee's leading home run hitter this season he can hit it out at any moment um but i think he just makes good contact right now he's not just trying to kill the ball every time and it's the thing you wondered about when he was slumping earlier this year like oh you know is he kind of a is he just a boom or bust guy like is it either you know you get a three, right? You get a three for four game with a bomb and a couple du- doubles, but then you you follow it up with five games of you know two for fifteen with you know eight strikeouts. Now mm-hmm. now he's showing that like, which which really is impressive for a college kid. I mean, I know he's a little bit older as a college kid, but still to have the mindset of you know you can mash it. You're the leading home run guy on the team, but to go four for five and, and not try to kill everything like that's to be able to do it is impressive, but to be able to mentally tell yourself like, Hey, I don't, I don't, this team is still really good when I don't try to kill everything. Like that's, that that's impressive. Yep. Um, anybody else you want to kind of talk about in terms of this weekend? Um, I mean, I kind of had the revelation. I, I did have – I think I've known it for a little while now, but, like, we, we've known Stark is the best catch, catcher option, but 
seeing a couple of his throws too, like it's we we know our staff isn't the best at helping the catcher out when it comes to catching runners. Mm-hmm. Cal's got cannon back there. Like it's made me a little more convinced. Like I I don't think all of the issues with which we knew it wasn't all of the issues, but I, I'm wondering, you know, where do you kind of find the 50-50 split of it's on the catcher, it's on the pitcher's not getting there quick enough? Cal's shown he's got a cannon back there. Like he he's he's got a gun and he he looks technically sound. He's had some good throws. So I it, you know, it's kind of been the thing the past couple seasons, and you know, you it's it's still gonna be there next season, depending on what you do, but it's I, I think a lot of that can be attributed more to the pitchers now because we we've if if he just had a noodle arm like that's one thing you can see that you know we saw with Evan at times you know it wasn't the best throwdowns sometimes wasn't terrible but Cal's got a cannon back there like he he's more than capable of holding his own and he he's shown it especially in the late part of this year yeah and he just missed one last night I, I thought he was getting a hold of it but uh yeah I mean he's he's been phenomenal this this postseason of getting guys off the bases and I think he's keeping guys home. Like Tennessee yep. isn't getting stolen on it as often because now they have to worry about Cal Stark. Cal Stark is, is finally a threat. Um, and yeah, wh- whatever has been happening, I, I don't know if it's just maybe he's got lighter gear or the, the pitchers are helping him out, whatever it's, whatever has been done. I mean, it's, it's really helped this baseball team. And no noticeable pass balls either. Like, I, I don't remember the last time I've really seen, you know, runners start to take advantage of balls getting past him back there. Like, he, mm-hmm. he's been a wall too. Yeah. So, it, it, I know the average isn't what people want. I, I know the bat leaves a lot to be desired at times, but it's it's kind of the same thing you've seen. If, if you've got eight guys that can, can really mash and they're really rolling, you, you don't ever want to say a guy's bat doesn't matter in the lineup as much, but – it's it's a lot easier to cover when he makes up for it by being being solid behind the plate and having other guys hit around him. So he 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 didn't really do anything this weekend that warranted credit, but I think it's just kind of a culmination of the last couple of weeks of him like it's like an offensive lineman. Like if you don't hear their name, that means they're doing a good job. It's kind of it's kind of the same thing. Catchers mm-hmm. have a little bit more opportunity to show off a little bit. You know, linemen get the pancake blocks on a on a pull around on a draw, you know, but you know, catchers they get they get a little bit more of an opportunity to shine, but also if you if you don't know their name a lot of the times, that's that's probably a good sign. And he's you know his name because we're fans, but you you haven't had any opposing fans be like, hey, pick on that kid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you're talking about Cal Stark, and, and just so many of these players face so much adversity this season. Um, and I think a lot of that was the expectation, you know, coming in preseason yep. number two. Um, we're like, okay, cool. Like, we're going to be really, really dang good. And I think it – on paper it looked that way with the transfers and things like that. But, you know, you had to to fill some holes that, you know, I think some people weren't ready to fill immediately. Um, so, yeah, a guy like Cal Stark is, is you know, just improved so much o- over the course of the season. And, yeah, the, the bat isn't as big of an issue if you're throwing guys out. Right. No like, one's I, no one's I, worried about the bat. I can speak from firsthand experience on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but Tennessee, you know, again, adversity. They had every kind of opportunity to just like be done. You know, losing game yep. one, the the rain delays, the having to sit under the bleach 
bleachers. I don't understand the Kirby Connell like having to pay money for Chick Fil A. I I don't know what that was about, but I mean, just everything that could have gone wrong, it seemed like was going wrong. Um, outside of the field of play. So I mean, th- this team was kind of out of their element. They were, you know, not in a routine. You know, they should have been playing at home. Number one. So I mean, there was just a lot of stuff that kind of went. Could have went the opposite direction. You had a guy, you know, sprinkling holy water all over the field. You had, you know, we had had we had another retirement party for their coach. Um, so I mean, it, it was just a lot of stuff that didn't that set up nicely for Southern Miss, and, and it it didn't seem to face Tennessee. And I think part of that is just because they have faced so much adversity over the course of the season, where it didn't have to bother. I mean, it, it took a literal act of God to win this series, and you, and you did. Yeah. Like, and, I mean, the, as the as a program as a whole, like, it, it's clear this program, just based off how the past couple of years, especially last year, went, like, you are still the hunted. When, when teams see Tennessee on the schedule, like, it's like, oh, you know, I'd say 95% of the teams in the country are like, oh, we want to take them out because, you know, they're – it's clear we've kind of established being the big dogs the last couple of years. But the thing that I like so much about this team is, you know, you you wear the tee right now and it, it should make you the hunted. But here lately, this team's been playing like the hunters. Like they're, they're playing like a little bit disrespected, which is mm-hmm. – it's cool to see because it's cool to know like, yes, they know they play for Tennessee. And I'm talking recently. Like there was times that – it wasn't clear throughout the season, but now it's, they know they play for Tennessee. They know the weight that that carries. They know how teams are going to come after and try to attack them and get under their skin, but they're, they're playing like the hunted now or the hunters now. And that, I think that's been a big reason why you're not, you're not seeing a lot of jawing. Like the jawing you are seeing is, you know, Dickerson yells at Dolander and Dolander just points at the scoreboard. Like, Hey, like if you want to talk, that's fine, but look at the score right now. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, I'm, I'm all for a little talk, but you know, we're kind of in the role of, we ain't got to talk like we're beating you right now. We're, we're, we're taking you out. So it, that's, that's probably been my favorite part of just that, that whole mentality shift. Yeah. And I think it carried over from two years ago. That team like was scrappy. Yeah. Everybody on it was scrappy. And I think it carried over a little bit and it rubbed people the wrong way that they're that same kind of scrappy, but also we're just beating your brains in. Or now it's like, you know, this team is scrapped and they're not kind of – they're showing emotion, but it's not the same. And it's pissing people off that they're not getting much of a reaction out of Tennessee's players anymore. Right, right. So, yeah, Hunter Dick- Dickerson, I thought he had a great series, but uh, it wasn't enough. Um, sorry about that. You know, hopefully your your sister got more subscribers. Is that is that real? I mean, I haven't confirmed. I haven't okay, looked at no, it. No, so I just I, I saw it. In, I saw it in passing, and I was like, uh, "Big if true." Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there we go. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not clicking on that. I'm good. Um, but yeah, Tennessee back in Omaha, LSU Saturday night, and I think this game is big because I mean, it is Paul Skeens, it is Dylan Cruz. I mean, these these teams have some recent history about them in the postseason. Um. So I, I think this is a a big game for Tennessee. I mean, you want to win that first game for sure. Um, and you're probably going against, 
I mean, the best pitcher in the country, probably the best hitter in the country. Um, that lineup is just disgusting. Um, so, I mean, you just have a lot kind of there. But also, like, you look back to when you played LSU in the season, you should have beat them. You know, if you don't – if you don't forget to field how to a field a ground ball or forget to, you know, catch a infield fly or call somebody off. I mean, this it's completely different that series was. So um I think that that should be in the back of Tennessee's mind, like, hey, we should have beat them. Let's go, let's go take care of business on Saturday. S- screw Paul Skeens. I mean, we we can hit him. You hit yeah. Jack Caglione. I mean, you've hit Burns and Dolander and Beam in practice. I mean, he's he's got stuff, and, and, you know, he did a good job against you. And he's probably going to get his strikeouts. But I think you, you got to make him, you know, make him work. Work the count a little bit. Make him throw some pitches and um, put the bat on the ball. You see a first-pitch fastball hammer. I, I I don't like taking a first-pitch fastball right in the either. middle. We, we do that way too much. And it, yeah. I, I, I appreciate trying to work the count, but when you – I mean, we, we had a comment about Maui earlier specifically. I don't want to pile on Maui, but when when you take when you take a first pitch strike right down the middle at not insane velocity, and then then you're swinging out of your shoes at two loopy breaking balls, like that's, that gets that gets agitating after a while. I'm sure it does for him the most, but you know if you if you're struggling, if you get one fat, I don't care what the count is, like tee off on it. it yeah, it well, can't hurt and that's the thing is like it, it's no secret that Tennessee struggles with hitting off speed stuff. I mean, look at the Texas A&M game in Hoover. I mean, that that kid had no – he shouldn't have mowed Tennessee down the way that he did, but Tennessee couldn't touch it because all he threw was from the left-hand side, stuff that moved. Um, so, I mean, if, if you know you struggle with something and you get the one thing that you're looking for in that at-bat, hammer it. Yeah. I mean, Cal Stark last night, he watched two straight fastballs go right down the middle and didn't take his bat off his shoulder. I'm telling him sit fastball first pitch. And if it's if it's fat, I don't care how hard or soft it is, just just tee off on it. Because I'd rather – pitch count's important, but I'd rather you have a hard fly out and, you know, maybe it – get take the chance, maybe it gets in the gap, then watch that one and then try to hit two nasty breaking balls. Like, I, I, I'll sacrifice the pitch count in that scenario. Yeah. Has Blake Berg taken a step? Is he – I know he kind of struggled a little bit last night, but getting that – I mean, it just felt like he was at 15 home runs forever. So getting that one on your 20th birthday, does that give him some some a little extra? Maybe it takes the, the weight off his shoulders a little bit. Uh, I don't know. He, He's playing good in the field, so, yeah. I mean, that, that yeah. definitely – it's not like he doesn't want to be out there because he's playing well – in the field, which is something that I think everybody would agree that batting is his is where he's going to make money, not not fielding. But uh, and, you know he's he's been playing well in the field, so um, you know maybe that is I don't know is it like Cal Stark where it's just like I'm not worried about it. he's playing well in the field, he'll get his at some point. I mean he I'm I'm still keeping the belief that he will he and he I mean he mashed that one that's what everybody was talking about I mean he uh, one of the hardest balls I've ever seen hit and mm-hmm. you you got the the patented bat flip as always but then after that like it's I don't remember if it was his last at bat or next to last at bat I, I know he went down on two 
curveballs that shouldn't have been swung out on either one. But I, I don't remember which one of those at bats. It it was a good at bat up until that point. Like it, it looked like he was seeing it well and was on it. And I was like, oh, he's he's gonna rip one for a double here. And then it's it's the breaking ball that starts away from you and never really came back to you that he had two just really ugly swings on. So I mm-hmm. maybe he maybe he is seeing it better and he was just too hyped up on, on those and he was trying to do too much. Maybe he is actually because the, the swing's never been the problem with him, like we talked about. Is it, it just looks like he's not seeing anything. Well, mm-hmm. he, he he saw that one, and he saw it nearly land on the building out there. So, I mean, maybe he is, and that was just too bad at bats there. And, you know, he's going to come out with his hair on fire. That's that's what I'm hoping. You, you hope that's what it is. You hope it wasn't just, you know, he, he got one kind of hung right in his swing path, and that's, that's what's going to happen if you put one in his swing path. So, I well, let's – Let's hope that his swing path is all encompassing now, and that it's he, he's he's seeing it better. Because I, if he gets going too, then Wake Forest has got to watch out too. I don't care. I don't care who you are. Yeah, and I mean it is frustrating that that you do kind of watch those those fastballs, but it's not like Tennessee isn't having competitive at bats. Right. Um, I think we've said that before. You know, earlier in the year they they had a lot of them. Um, but now it's like, yeah, they're getting down on the count, but they're battling. I mean, Cal Stark's going to make you throw five or six pitches in at bat. Um, now he might strike out and Maui's the same way. They might strike out, but they're going to give you, um, you know, a pretty good at bat and, and hopefully set the next guy up for success. But, um, yeah, you'd like to just see a little bit more of just, Hey man, if you see it, hit it, see ball, hit ball at that point. It's, it's still the one thing I would ask Tony V. I, I would praise him 10,000 times, but there's the one thing I would ask him a little bit sarcastically, but mainly serious, do you hate bunting? Because I I think he might. <laughs> it's, yeah. That's the only won. other thing I can say is I, I know at one point you had Maui and Inslee on, and I, I understand the opposition to not wanting Jared Dickey to bunt. He's your best hitter. But that also means he handles the bat better than anybody else. And mm-hmm. there was one scenario where it's like, I, I understand you want to let him rip, but at the same time, having having runners on second and third with one out then, and, and all you need is a fly ball to score because Maui's scoring on anything decent. It's it, it's worked out. It's not a complaint. It's I hate bunting, but at the same time, like if if I can have runners on second and third with one out with still your your four, five, six hitters coming up. I, I want to see if he does it more in Omaha. Like, I, I want to see if that was just a Southern Miss thing. Is that is that something that that'll be a different – called a different way in Omaha? I I don't know. It's it, – it that confuses me sometimes. I hope it doesn't come back to bite us because mm-hmm. playing that small ball can be the best thing for you sometimes. But I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to second guess the man. I mean, he's he's done literally everything since he's been here. But I I do want to just ask: Does he hate bunting? Because it yeah. it would be pretty. Hilarious. And maybe he wasn't good at it. So maybe that's yeah. something that he's like, oh, "Screw that! I'm, we're not doing it, that." It would be hilarious if I asked him that, and he was just like, "I absolutely hate bunting." Yes. <laughs> yeah. Just go. Oh, okay. I get it then. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah especially when they shift on, on those left-handed hitters, you'd like to see them just square one down the third baseline right there but but if the man just hates bunting and has a moral opposition to it and it's just as against his religion to bunt then hey i understand it's mm-hmm. you've been winning games so if that's not your thing that's not your thing 
Yeah, I mean, how, how many games has Tennessee won this year? Right. Yeah, right. I think we're we're okay. We're okay. Yeah. Um, well, let's go. Let's go MVPs of the week. Um, I don't remember who went first last time, but I'll think, let you. Go. I think you got it this time. I think I was first. Okay. Um, I, dude, I gotta go. Mr. Rubber Match, Drew Beam. I mean, just any any time you need a win, it, it's Drew Beam's time, and he, he's been put in that position so many times. You know, against South Carolina, against, um, you know, he finished the the regional out against Charlotte. He you know won this game against um, who do we play? Southern Miss. Southern Miss. God, last night was. I mean, I was so pumped up that I didn't go to sleep till about 3 a.m. and I had to wake up at 7.15. So. It's wearing on me right now. Yeah, need some sleep. Um, hopefully we'll get some of that after this. But, uh, yeah, I got to go Drew Beam. Just phenomenal job. And, you know, the velocity has been something that's impressed me this year. And then he comes out with this curveball that just looks un- out of this world. I mean, it's it was unreal. So I'm going to go Drew Beam for my MVP of the week. Just because, you know, he puts you in that position to, to win that ball game. I mean, when it was one to nothing, I felt pretty good. Now I, I I felt even better after Zane didn't hit that home run. But when it was one to nothing, I was like, man, I the way Drew Beam's pitching, you know, you got, you know, the, all those those dudes um, in your bullpen ready to go. If he gets into some trouble, we're good. Yeah, it's that he was going to be my pick too. It's just. Just the fact of, sorry, man. No, no. Hey, hey, it was your turn. It was, <laughs> it's just the fact of you had to have it, and you got it from him. And I, he, just about every time I see him, I know Dolander's nasty. Lindsey's proven he can be nasty. Burns can be nasty. There's just about everybody on this staff, and in the bullpen can can dominate at times when they need to. But he, just his demeanor, it it's like it. He could be playing catch in the backyard for all he cares. Like that, that's it's effortless, like. and it's it's it calms you. But mm-hmm. I'll I'll go with the guy that made it more calming. I got to go Zane Denton just because I mean, for for the reason I said earlier, I don't think Burns comes out and dominates like that. I, I, he can do it on a one run lead. That's not what I'm saying at all. But he he looked like he had no pressure on him at all. He pitched like he had no pressure on him at all. It's all because of that home run. And I don't remember what inning it was. I meant to, I meant to check. It was somewhere in the, the middle innings. He had the insane diving stop at third, too. That, yep. If that one gets by, that's probably a double. Who knows what that inning turns into. He he turns, stops, fires a bullet over to first, too. And if you're doing it with the bat and the glove, you you got to be my MVP too. And I don't know how he got that ball out of the stadium. Still, I don't know how he got enough power <laughs> to get it out. I just yeah, that that play he made at third base was phenomenal, and I think it was a one run game at that point with runners on, so it had to be done. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that was big, and I mean, just those big moments, man. It it just seems like Zane Denton. And, like, throughout the game, it's like he's not a guy that you're just like, oh, man, I really got to worry about him. But then you do. Yeah. Like, I mean, you, he's dating Taylor Swift. I mean, somebody respect this man. And, it, Glendon, it just makes it so much better that he came from Alabama. Oh, dude. It just makes it so much better. 
It makes me want to puff a cigar right now. Maybe, maybe, who knows? Maybe he's just not a gambler. Maybe he just had to get out of that that environment down in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Was, you know, dollar. He, he bet on himself. Yeah, yeah. He Tennessee bet on him, and hey, it's yeah. it's it's paying off. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, this isn't going to be the last show, so that's big. Um, Tennessee is going to Omaha. Um, facing LSU, that'll be at 7 p.m. Eastern time against uh, Paul Skeens, I'm sure. And uh, Andrew Lindsay will probably get the ball because if it ain't broken, don't fix it. And Tennessee's just going to keep rolling. The good thing is it's double elimination. And we've faced elimination. So, I mean, it's it's nothing that we've seen – we haven't seen before. And guess what? It, it's – we weren't able to host this one. So – you know, I, th- I think that's something. Now, we we were going to talk about the NCAA um, going to Hattiesburg number one, but the stupid rating thing is the most asinine thing I've ever heard of in my entire life. It it's another way for them to justify their poor decision making. Yeah. That's all it is to me, and it it still doesn't do that job. But I'm, I I don't know. Hey, the the number one thing about Nebraska. In Omaha, there are no hosts now. Yep. Yeah. And, and I mean, not scheduling the game yesterday. Yet. Like, why schedule it at five? I mean, do they have anybody, like an intern or anybody that looked at the weather? Anybody. I mean, everybody knew that game was going to get delayed. I don't know if they still just use sundials in Indianapolis. And that's – they depend – they base it all on – Who's who took Mark Emmert's job? I don't. It, the Baker guy. They just uh, depended all on if his knee hurts or not. The, the arthritis if it flares up. Because <laughs> I don't. Any modern technology would tell you, hey, that game's not getting yeah. played at five. And what do you know? It actually. Conspiracy theory. Five. They picked um, Southern Miss to host because they knew all the Tennessee fans would watch it and it would boost their ratings. I I don't even think that's a conspiracy. I, that's. Probably you really. only you only give the visiting team six hundred tickets. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's a conspiracy at all. I think that's probably what it was, honestly. Yep. Unreal. Well, I hope they. I almost tweeted last night. No one watched the game, and let's just all listen to it on the radio. But I'd have to, I have to watch it. But yeah, that'd been really cool if we just all did that somehow. Yeah, or we I had mean, one one person buy it and everybody just like had a big watch party somewhere so they only got one rating out of it it's like when we beat bama in neyland like there was the the fireworks went off and then you had the people across the river like just waiting like oh what just happened like and Mm -hmm. they're just kind of the the fireworks told you what happened then like just have one person sitting up on the hill and just give us signals back but right i mean yeah, T- Tennessee, they know Tennessee clearly has the bigger fan base. Shout out Southern Miss fans, by the way, too. I mean, it, it seemed like a, a decent environment there. Like, it, it seemed like they cared. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, I, I don't think you had a conspiracy there at all. I think it's I think it's just true. They know you compare fan base sizes. I mean, Tennessee's is much bigger. So, it just comes down to the numbers of they're going to have more people watching. I think they know Tennessee will travel better. So, it's – it came down to the money. It's it's disappointing to know that that's what it'll always come down to mm-hmm. with the NCAA, and their merits actually don't hold any merit. But I mean, it wound up not. 
Yeah, spin zone for Southern Miss fans. He didn't lose the way that Texas lost. So yeah, that's that brutal, <laughs> brutal. Um, but yeah, that's all we got. Thank y'all again for listening. Again, this is not the last show. We'll be back next week, hopefully, um, still in it. And um, thanks again. Thanks for listening. And uh, go Vols. Love you guys.